and featuring the U.S. Mint's state quarters, there is one state's grand presence that inspires visitors from all around the world. They come to see something that is so spectacular, so magnificent, that it can only be fully appreciated by seeing it in person. That would be the Grand Canyon in the state of Arizona. Who are the people who have called the Grand Canyon home? And what makes the Grand Canyon one of the top 10 national parks in the United States with the most visitors? Well, we answer those questions and we tell those stories. It's quarter miles travel where the adventure begins when you reach into your pocket. There's a story behind every quarter design, a story that can take you on an adventure of your own, from one-of-a-kind landmarks to hometown heroes. Start your journey with Anita, one quarter mile at a time. Life is meant to be lived. I see it all as it's meant to be seen. I am free. Oh, I am free. Every step I take, every place Today's feature is Arizona's State Quarter, which was introduced in 2008, and it features the, of course, the Grand Canyon (laughs) and the saguaro cactus, which I like to think of as the symbol of the Desert West. It's that iconic cactus that you see all the time in pictures. Now, I can't just talk about Arizona and their state quarter without bringing in someone to help me. So I asked my friend, Marjorie McNewson, to join me. She is the media relations manager for the Arizona Office of Tourism. She knows a lot about about Arizona. And we start our conversation talking about what makes the canyon so grand and how it has become one of the top visited destinations in the country. Last year, 5.9 million recreational visitors chose the Grand Canyon as their choice for a great getaway. So let's take a listen to my conversation with Marjorie. You know, the Grand Canyon, that is like one of the most visited, I would think, attractions and sites in the U.S. It is. It's on everybody's bucket list as well. It should be because it is so beautiful. What's interesting um, about the Grand Canyon is when it was very first explored in one of the early explorers, they said in back it was in 1857 and um, they were trying to, the Colorado River flows through the Grand Canyon and they know that the Colorado River goes down through it. The Colorado River is the western border of the state of Arizona, between Arizona and California. And they were coming up the Colorado River. They were hoping to get farther up, maybe into the canyon. And his quote by one of those early explorers that was Joseph Ives said, the region is, of course, altogether valueless. It can be approached only from the south, and after entering it, there is nothing to do but leave. And we just <laughs> laugh when we see when we read that quote. He says, "It seems intended by nature um, that the Colorado River, along with the greater portion of its lonely and majestic way, shall be forever unvisited 
unvisited and undisturbed. And that is not the case. About <laughs> 4 million people visit the Grand Canyon. Arizona's nickname is the Grand Canyon State. So we're very well known for the Grand Canyon. I also want to kind of point out a couple of things about the Grand Canyon. Oh, yeah. What are it, some of the little details of it? Yes. It, 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 it stretches about halfway across the northern top of Arizona. The entire Grand Canyon is within Arizona. Now, Las Vegas does a really good job of selling the Grand Canyon. And sometimes you, you go to Nevada and you think that Grand Canyon is in Las Vegas. But <laughs> it is not. It is right. entirely in Arizona. And that's okay. We want everybody to visit it. Um, when we talk about the Grand Canyon, most people are talking about the south rim of the Grand Canyon. It is the most accessible part of the Grand Canyon. It is where the National Park Service has services. It is just about an hour and a half north of Flagstaff, about three and a half hours north of Phoenix. And so it is the, the and it's open year round. So mm -hmm. when we talk about the canyon, somebody who came to our office from another state said, oh, you just call it the canyon? We're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so those of us in Arizona just call it the canyon. Um, you're talking usually about the South Rim. It's open year-round. There are hotels. There's a little community, Tucson, right outside of the entrance, and that's where your visitor services are. Um, but there is also a North Rim to the Grand Canyon. And although it's only a few miles to the north as the crow flies, to drive from the South Rim to the North Rim is about four hours. Mm. So you have to go up towards Page and over and across and cross the Colorado River where it's a little easier to cross where it's not quite so wide. Then we also have the West Rim of the Grand Canyon. And that is the portion that is closer to Las Vegas. So it's obviously on the Western side of Arizona. Right. And on the south southern part, that is the Wallapai Nation land. So they have built the Skywalk. It's a U-shaped, and it goes out over the edge of the Grand Canyon, and it, the, it's a glass on the bottom so that when you look down, you can oh, wow. look down into the canyon. Well, what and, a fantastic way to see it. I mean, that, yeah. it almost is like you're putting yourself in the canyon. Right, High up. it's called the Skywalk, and that is located on the Wallapai Nation. So a lot of people who get to the South Rim say, okay, I'm here to go on the Skywalk. In reality, to drive from the South Rim to the West Rim, it's about four hours. So I just want to kind of explain all these long hour drives so you can get a, a feeling of the expansiveness of the Grand Canyon. Now, a lot of people ask what the best time to visit the Grand Canyon is, and I'm going to tell you January. Oh, okay. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> because you will, the most of the people, the 4 million people, the majority of them cram in to the Grand Canyon between March and October. Mm -hmm. But if you go in January, it's like you have the whole Grand Canyon to yourself. Oh yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Yes, so that's my recommendation. Um, it would it could snow, so uh, 
it does snow at the north rim and the south rim. Oh, excuse me, I forgot to mention the north rim is only open from May to October. Mm -hmm. So fewer people visit that. It's a little farther from major metropolitan areas, so it's less visited. Mm -hmm. And it's about a thousand feet higher. So it's about 8,000 feet at the top of the rim at the north rim. And they get quite a lot of snow on that side of the canyon so they don't keep the the roads plowed but the south rim is at about 7,000 feet in elevation so even if it snows they have the snow machines out there plowing and mm -hmm. I think snow on the canyon is just magical I so, bet it is I bet it is yeah just beautiful but if you want to come in the summertime because that's when you have the time off Absolutely come, because it's beautiful any time of the year. Well, now, you did mention the, the Wallapai Nation. Um, so they're actually still living there in, in, the, in the canyon now? So the Wallapais actually live on the, the rim of the canyon or just south of the rim of the canyon. There, is, there are actually 11 tribes that have some sort of connection to the Grand Canyon. We have 22 tribes in Arizona, different languages, customs, practices, laws, everything, 11 of those nations have had at some point some connection to the Grand Canyon. But there is one tribe that lives within the Grand Canyon, and that's the Havasupai, not to be confused with the Wallapai. Very oh, okay. little different spelling and everything. Different peoples, although their languages are Pai, so they are somewhat connected. But the Havasupai live in the bottom of the Grand Canyon, and it is not part of the South Rim. It is in between the West Rim and the South Rim. And the only way to get in there is to hike in. Mm. Now, there is a helicopter mm -hmm. that goes in a couple times a week, but it is really there to service the tribal members. And then if there's extra room after the tribe has done all the business it needs, then you can get on the helicopter. But it is highly popular to hike into Havasupai. Mm -hmm. And you have to uh, make reservations. The reservations go in on February 1st. And everybody has gotten all the reservations because you camp down there. There is one hotel with a few rooms that's also available. And uh, it's an arduous hike. I mean, this is not a walk in the park. Right. They are the only place left in the U.S. that still has their mail delivered on horseback. The Grand Canyon has been inhabited for 12,000 years. I mean, the Grand Canyon is millions and millions of years old. But as best as people can tell, there were peoples who lived on this continent for 12,000 years and have been inhabiting the Grand Canyon because they can find bits and pieces from those civilizations. So it's not um, a totally current. When the Spaniards came through from Mexico and they were looking for the seven cities of gold, of course, they came up upon the Grand Canyon. And they actually hired some of the local Native Americans in the area to show them the Grand Canyon. But about in the 1800s is when 
things started getting more and more explored. There is a place along the river called Lee's Ferry, and it is where some of the early pioneers set up a way to cross the Colorado River. It's actually in Glen Canyon. Glen Canyon is just most people don't know the difference between Glen Canyon and Grand Canyon because they just, it, the Colorado flow, River flows through both of them. But it's, it is, a, a, so you can say it's in the Grand Canyon. Um, but in the mid-1800s, there was a, um, the pioneers were coming through and there were a lot in Utah of the Mormon pioneers and they sent people down into Arizona to see what kind of resources there were in Arizona. But the Colorado River and the Grand Canyon is pretty formidable and wasn't able to um, be crossed very easily. So there is a place within Glen Canyon where visitors can cross and it's called Lee's Ferry. And they built a little community there, and it was called the Lonely Dell Ranch because his wife said, oh, what a lonely Dell this is. <laughs> I mean, people didn't really live there much, but they had to grow fruit trees and different kinds of gardens to support themselves. And then they made a little money by ferrying people across the Colorado River to get into Arizona. You can still visit that area. Mm -hmm. um, you can see the families who operate, where the families who operated Lee's Ferry. And it was so isolated. And um, it's quite interesting to get there and think about what times like that would have been when there was nobody near you. <laughs> no grocery store, no other neighbors. I know, just out there. Yeah, just out there. Talk about um, isolation, but now were they doing any trading with the Native Americans? I'm sure they were, yes. There were quite a lot of uh, early pioneers who came south to do just that, to, um, to become friends with the Native Americans. So I'm sure the Native Americans knew about that, but that's where more recorded history sort of begins. Mm -hmm. when we started coming into those areas. Um, they had, so they built some stone buildings. Um, they had a little paddle wheel steamboat, and you can see kind of how that all worked. Lee's Ferry today is the place where, where all the river rafters who raft the Colorado River put their boats into. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a much more active <laughs> area. <laughs> That lonely Dell Ranch <laughs> that it once was. Oh, I can't. I just can't even even imagine. Yeah. But 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 now, are members of their family still in the Arizona area at all? Or do do you know? Yeah, there there are. Um, I think that uh, there's probably been an organization that has of you know ancestors like a lot of families do, but there it's no longer inhabited. The mm -hmm. area inhabited so you're mostly looking at kind of the ruins of the little ranch area that was there at one time so it is still not a very habitable place um, it, the river runners just go in <laughs> and then leave I mean it's not like they have a store there or any resources it's just a, a put-in point literally 
So. Now, what, what about camping? I mean, are people camping down in those areas uh, after they, they do rafting and those things are hiking? So the Colorado River, um, when you put in at Lee's Ferry, it's usually a multi-day up to probably the least you can do is three and a half days. And that is from Lee's Ferry to just below where the, um, at Phantom Ranch is the bottom of the Grand, south rim of the Grand Canyon. And some companies will allow you just to do three and a half days, but then you have to hike out of the Grand Canyon. So if you go on, on some of the longer trips, the seven, the 12, the 15 day trips, then they actually helicopter you out of the mm. Grand Canyon. I asked Marjorie to tell us a little bit more about the Native Americans who live in the canyon. I was very curious about them, about how they live their day-to-day lives and just how they operate living in a canyon, especially one as vast as our Grand Canyon. The Havasupai who live in the in the canyon get all of their mail by horseback, and then they do have a helicopter that brings some larger items in. Mm-hmm. They can't go on horseback because they pack everything in and out on horseback or hike it in or out themselves. It's The Grand Canyon is really still very remote. Well, tell me this, Marjorie. Has there been any archaeological digs or excavating of, uh, of, of rocks or, or materials or anything like that throughout history that, that you know of? Yes. As a matter of fact, the Grand Canyon has about 4,500 Uh, I think is what it is, uh, archaeological resources. So there are 11 tribes that have some connection to the Grand Canyon. And there is a place on the eastern side of the south rim of the Grand Canyon called Desert Watchtower. And it is now become, it used to sort of just be a, a tourist attraction in general about the Grand Canyon, and now it is become a resource to learn about the tribes and the archeology span and all that kind of um, stuff about the Grand Canyon. So the oldest human artifacts, like I mentioned, were from about 12,000 years ago, and they can see archeological evidence from different prehistoric groups, um, ancestral Pueblin and Serbat and Pai and Southern Paiutes, and I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody, but those <laughs> are old, um, different kinds of periods of time. Periods of time. Yeah. Well, well, is there a museum or somewhere uh, that, that visitors can see any of the, the artifacts? Yes. So uh, I believe you're going to see some of it at the Desert Watchtower, but you can also see some of the other Um, pieces in the visitors center at the south rim Mm -hmm. and then i would also mention that in that flagstaff is about an hour and a half south of the south rim and there is a museum of northern arizona in flagstaff that that their specialty is all about the geology, geography, anthropology, archaeology, everything to do with what we call the Colorado Plateau, which is that whole northern part of uh, Arizona, including the Grand Canyon. So you can definitely see 
archaeological findings in that museum as well. So when you go and visit the Grand Canyon, you want to spend a couple of days and you want to spend a couple of days in the area because there are other national monuments that are close to the Grand Canyon, like Wapaki, which is an old Puebloan community that is a national monument and you can visit and it is also the ancient part of the tribes that once lived in the area. Are there any uh, festivals or any type of uh, activities that are annual that take place that someone could visit so that they can see some of the cultural things of the, of the Native Americans? Or So on the North Rim, they do have a Native American day, um, but I, I think that's more they're celebrating more the peoples who still live in the area. Mm -hmm. it, it occurs in the summertime because the North Rim is only open during the summertime. And I don't have the exact date of that, but um, it, it can be found at the Grand Canyon website, which is nps.gov. That's for all of the National Park Service is always nps.gov and then slash GRCA. As a matter of fact, it's a really great website to visit for all sorts of information about the Grand Canyon. You can, if you have several days, you could learn and read so much about it. And then the flora and fauna is pretty amazing at the Grand Canyon because the rim of the canyon is at 7,000 feet, but you go down to the bottom at about 1,000 or 2,000 feet. And so the, the temperature difference is quite stark. Mm -hmm. And so you'll find different ways that people lived in the canyon. Um, remember the old story, Bridie of the Grand Canyon? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was one of the best things I did was when I visited when my kids were small, we started reading Bridie of, of the Grand Canyon and uh -huh. finished just as we were pulling into the North Rim and saw the statue. It was really fun. Oh, so that sounds fun. That is um, a story about a mule because people thought, it, early, early explorers thought that the canyon might have resources and gold or silver, precious things that so some of the early explorers were looking for those kinds of things mm -hmm. purpose and now it's protected right. so we can't go in and mine there things. yeah and that's a good thing i mean because it's such a beautiful uh natural you know u.s um, site that you, you really want to protect it so that generations in the future will be able to have the nice experience as well right um, Theodore Roosevelt was one of the first presidents who s said that helped create the Grand Canyon as a national park. We laugh because we celebrated the 100th anniversary of the Grand Canyon last year in 2019. And um, people are like, the Grand Canyon's only 100 years old. <laughs> no, it's 100 years since it's been designated as a national park. Mm -hmm. But he was quoted to say, and I can't find the exact quote, but he hoped that nobody would build any buildings there or develop it in any any way because he wanted to keep it as pristine as possible. And we all feel the same way. We want to keep much of it as pristine as possible. 
Yeah, isn't there a train service or something that uh, runs through a part of the canyon as well? Yes, so 60 miles south of the South Rim is a little community called Williams. Williams is on historic Route 66. And in the old, old days, <laughs> you, the train went through William. well, the train still goes through Williams and it goes through uh, Flagstaff, but people got off and then they took a carriage ride, which would have been quite grueling up to the south rim of the Grand Canyon. And so they finally built a spur from Williams to the South Rim. And uh, several years, many years ago, they brought back train service. It's a fabulous way to get to the Grand Canyon. And what about RVing? Are, are, are there RV uh, sites there too, where people can bring their RV? Yes, absolutely. There are a couple of campgrounds up at the, so none of the campgrounds are right on the rim. You're not going to open your door and go, oh, there's the Grand Canyon. They're set back off of the actual rim, but they're within a mile or two. Keep in mind that when you're hiking, you're generally going the difficult way up the mountain and kind of the easier way down. But in the canyon, you're going down, you're skipping down the trail, and you're like, oh, this is easy. And then you turn around to come back up, and it's twice as long to get back up. Oh, wow, okay. So you have Good to, to know. Yeah, you have to really think about how long you want to spend on a trail, because if you think you skipped down the trail for an hour, it's going to be at least two hours before you get out. Well, Marjorie, tell me a little bit then about people with uh, mobility uh, challenges. Uh, what about them uh, experiencing and exploring the, the canyon and the trails? So, so there are accessible rooms at all of the hotels. There are accessible trails along the rim of the Grand Canyon. There are tours, bus tours, um, and shuttle buses, and the shuttle buses are accessible. So definitely something for everyone, yeah. sounds like. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the cactus and why you guys chose that to be on the quarter. It must be very significant to Arizona. It is. The saguaro cactus only grows in Arizona. Okay, there's a little teeny bit of land in California that they claim the saguaros grow. And then it also grows in western Mexico. So the Sonoran Desert, which is located all in Arizona and Mexico, part of that little part of Mexico, is the only place in the world where a saguaro cactus will grow. And so mm. it's very iconic to us. And it's, you see it in the old westerns. You, you know, cactus is so trendy right now. So you see them on all sorts of t-shirts and posters and prints and all sorts of things. Um, but they only grow here in Arizona primarily, so we we think they're pretty special. And they have they're the ones, just so people know. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you could describe it. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, they have one singular column that goes straight up, and after I don't know about fifty or seventy years, they start growing arms. So sometimes when you see it, it's the, it's the big one where if you put your two arms up, sort of square your arms up, it looks like you're standing straight up like a saguaro cactus. And okay. sometimes we laugh because we think that they're saying hello to us. They have <laughs> them up saying hello. 
to us. So they are um, interesting plants. They um, very slow growing. Some of the big cactus that you see can be a hundred to two hundred years old. Wow. And they love the heat. As a matter of fact, if it gets too cold, then they don't grow in that area. And they love the south-facing sides of the terrain because that gets the most sunshine. Mm -hmm. They do grow a fruit on the very top. And it is it, it blooms in about May. And then you start seeing the fruit in June and July. And that fruit was traditionally used by the Tohono O'odham people who live down in that part, that part of the state. It's sweet. It provides a lot of vitamin C, so it's very healthy, a lot of fiber. And they are the only ones who are allowed to harvest the fruit of a sorrow. So if you thought, oh, I'd like to have yeah. that fruit, I'd like to just go out there and harvest a little bit. It's illegal. As a matter of fact, it's illegal to um, move a saguaro cactus or steal one. They are so um, precious to us. There's, there are actually laws that you can't um, move a saguaro cactus. You, you can if you get the proper permits and so forth, but you can't just go out there and say, oh, I like this cactus. I think I'll take it. Well, well, now I'm sure like birds and other animals probably have found them as well. So uh, are we having to share them with, you know, with the animals uh, that you find yeah. in the desert as well? Absolutely. So woodpeckers will, um, will put holes in the cactus. It does not kill the cactus. It actually makes a little cavity and then, well, it hurts the cactus somewhat. So it, it sends and makes a little hard area right around the hole that they have built. And so when the woodpecker is finished with their hole, then other birds will come in and make their nests in that cavity. There are hawks that will perch on top of the cactus because it's a perfect place to see down where little um, movement may be going on on the desert floor when they're doing their hunting. Mm -hmm. um, there they the fruit or the flowers are really good for bats for fruit for nectar feeding bats and the mm -hmm. birds and the insects that's how they're pollinated is from the bats some of the birds will eat the the seeds what's interesting is a cactus one cactus may produce about 40 million seeds oh, wow. during its lifetime but just a couple are ever the ones that even make it to a cactus and when they're growing they are good to they're you know nice they're not as hard and so little critters like to eat them but the, all the sorrel cactus start growing an, under a nurse tree because mm -hmm. it needs a little bit of shade a little protection from some of the critters so you'll often see a sorrow uh, i mean a a Palo Verde tree or a mesquite tree next to a small growing saguaro because it's helping protect it till it gets up. Arizona is filled with wonderment. So many great opportunities to go and have not only an adventure, but also an educational experience in this grand state. 
For more information on how you can plan a visit to Arizona to see all of these great places that we talked about, the tours, the train rides, the museums, visit their website at visitarizona.com. And there you'll find all the information to start planning your trip to the Grand Canyon and other places around Arizona too. For specific information to plan a trip to the Grand Canyon, visit the National Park Service's website at nps.gov grca. For more information on the Native Americans in Arizona, visit the website Museum of Northern Arizona at musnaz.org. And while you're near Flagstaff, plan a visit also to the Waipaki National Monument. It is a U.S. national monument located in the north-central part of Arizona. There you will find ancient pueblos across the prairie. Visit their website at nps.gov W-U-P-A. For more information on the U.S. Mint's state quarters and commemorative quarters, visit their website at usmint.gov. Quarter Mouse Travel would like to thank our guest, Marjorie Magnuson, Media Relations Manager at the Arizona Office of Tourism. We'd also like to thank our sponsor, Alliance Travel Insurance. They are your travel buddy, helping you to insure your travel investment and to make sure that all of the worry that you may have about travel, they take it on so that you can enjoy all of your time at your planned destination. Visit their website at alliancetravelinsurance.com. Don't forget to press the subscribe button so that you get the most up-to-date information on our next shows here at Quarter Miles Travel. And reach in your pocket and pull out a quarter. Flip it over and Quarter Miles Travel will take it from there. We'll help you turn that quarter into an adventure.